All right, well, welcome to creation three of uh, Establish on a One. Um, everyone doing, doing good? Doing not good? Hanging in there? You're here, so that's good. You're here, you're alive, your heart's beating. Um, before we kind of do a, a I guess, a oral review of our first lesson, does anyone want to take a shot at it when we, when we were talking about you know, I actually made the mistake of not coming over here and pointing to the picture and showing you guys that this is, was last week's picture associated with last week's lesson, so forgive me for that. But this is, cast it in your long-term memory, this is the picture associated with, with last week's lesson. So if you can think of that, would anybody like to um, just give it, give it your go? Tell us, tell us about last week's lesson or, or what that picture, if you looked at it in the flip book or whatever, brings to mind. <coughs> Something about prophets or men of God. You guys want me to pick volunteers or do you want me to spill the beans for you? <laughs> well, That's right. And if we tie that to the lesson the week before of God being there in the beginning, if God was there in the beginning and he inspired men to write the exact words he had to communicate to us, what, what is the Bible for us today? Truth. It's to be our source of all truth, right? I think Michael was saying, bring everything back to it, right? We can... Um, yeah, use it to guide us through life. Again, Timothy, rebuke, correct, teach in uh, righteousness. So thank you guys. Um, is there another source out there that we have that's equivalent or close that we can, that we can uh, use as, as a great source of, of absolute truth? Did we determine that? We talked about, um, let me think now. Well, I guess we didn't talk about, yeah, maybe a text, but we did talk about like maybe a, a pastor, a priest, or uh, somebody like that. Does their word have higher authority than, than God's word, the Bible? Are we to seek out them for, for uh, something that would trump the word? No, that's right. Cool. Well, so yeah, God's word is to be our source for all truth, allow it to shape our lives, um, run our decisions through it. Um, and yeah, can we agree that it's one of the greatest gifts, or if not the greatest gift that we've been given, that we can hold, that we can comb over? What an honor it is. Has anybody, did anyone listen to that Tyndale biography? Putting people on the spot. The one by John Piper? I won't get anybody to answer. It's really worth it. It will really make you even um, have a deeper appreciation for, for the, the efforts that... Uh, some men went through that God inspired to ensure that the word was translated for other languages. Um, so yeah, as we progress through, uh, through 101, this is just one of our banners over here with about half of our pictures. We're going to be progressing through these pictures. They, they coincide with 
uh, those, that flip chart book of yours. And so periodically, um, as, as the lessons develop, I'll be referring to one. Today, uh, we don't have uh, one specific. We're kind of just between the first two there right now. Um, but also, we're going to be uh, unfolding these as we go a little bit. I won't always have the We Believes up, but uh, I'll be pointing to these tonight. And then uh, same with the God, Mankind, and Angels chart. Um, these will stay up, and I'll be unflipping them until... It won't take long for us to get to the bottom, but we'll just kind of keep reinforcing uh, the various ones here. Um, yeah, so you can prove that at your leisure, and then this at your leisure, and uh, we'll refer to it. So let's um, open our Bibles. We're going to go to Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, and that's not at the beginning. Um, you're going to have to go, if you don't know, how can I tell you? It's going to be... Grab your little bookmark I gave you guys, if, if anyone needs a bookmark that has all the books of the Bible on it. It's about uh, that much to the front of the Bible and that much to the back of the Bible is where Je- Jeremiah is. Is that with maps or Isaiah, Jeremiah. Yeah, exactly. Jeremiah, what would you say? Yeah, exactly. Jeremiah 9, uh, 23 and 24. Oops. Don't they make the mistake I didn't go to chapter 23. I said chapter 9, 23 and 24. So it says here, This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord, who demonstrates unfailing love, who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. In God's eyes, you guys, what is the best thing we can pursue in this life? To know God. And what's the best way to know God? Through the Word. One of the believers we were working with in Saskatchewan, discipling, they said that this is like the mouth of God. So like, don't close the mouth of God. Let the mouth of God speak. And this is how we can hear it, is opening it and studying it. So just a a thought as we dive in. In light of this, um, we'll review this God chart behind me that we started earlier. And uh, I think uh, this is where we began, with God is able to teach us about everything. um, Because he is there in the beginning, he is the trustworthy one. He's the eyewitness. Like we talked about, if you wanted to hear about World War II, um, would you not go to a World War II veteran? Well, God was there in the beginning. We see this, this timeline here. It was God the Father, and we'll talk more about this tonight, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Nobody else. So we, up here we have you know, the, the Catholic Church, when the Latin Bible and Muslim faith uh, came to be. And, and you look down that, remember we did the exercise with uh, the toothpicks representing each a year. And uh, there's nobody we can turn to but God to know the beginning. And so that's why we can go to God and, uh, and, and, and learn everything that we need to uh, for life. Um, and, and somebody pushed back on me with, with this everything. And, and okay, I'll give that a bit. Um, but we can, again, go to Timothy. And it's just the correcting, the teaching, the rebuking in righteousness. So if you want to be a stickler. Just go to Timothy. That's what we got. 
Um, in today's lesson, we're going to look at the beginning of the book of Genesis, uh, the first book of the Bible. And we're going to use a few other verses just to help understand some key truths that we're going to uh, let the word develop about who God is. And again, I just challenge you guys to let that permeate your thinking versus put in, putting your thinking onto the Bible. I'm not saying don't think. I'm just saying let God's word define who he is to you rather than maybe who you th think he is. Hey, there's some cookies over there. <laughs> Welcome, Micah. Um, so yeah, some of the things that will just start to unfold. Who is God? Who is this God? What is he like? And what are some of the basic essential things that we need to know about him as we start to read his word? Granted, this, this list isn't exhaustive, but it's a start. And we're going to learn more of him as we go along. So this is our list for tonight. God's wor word reveals who he is. That's the hook I want you guys to try to hold on to. And then we're going to be unpacking it more with God alone is eternal. God alone is all-powerful and self-existent. Kind of those two are somewhat contained, one within the other. Uh, God is spirit. I think there's a couple corrections I want you guys to make on your handouts. I might have had um, God alone is spirit there, but scratch out the alone. Um, I think you know why. But yeah, God is spirit. And God is one being, yet three persons. And that also might be typed differently in there. But I think I have God as one, yet three. But uh, we're constantly trying to sharpen this and improve it. Um, so that's why there's a discrepancy between your sheets and that right now. So yeah, God is one being, yet three persons. And that's where we get the, the word Trinity or triune God from. Any questions on that? Feel free, to, feel free to raise a hand or speak up at any time. This isn't a lecture. It's not a lab or whatever where I got the answers and you guys don't have anything to contribute. It's quite the opposite. I think you guys have lots to contribute. So weigh in. Weigh in as you wish. Um, where are we at here? Okay, now we're going to go, yeah, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And we're going to dig into this first point that God alone is eternal. And just so you guys don't get uh, bored of the drone of my voice, I like it when other people sometimes read verses. So if you like to do that or if you don't like to do it, challenge yourself a little bit. <laughs> Genesis 1, just the first two verses there. If I can find Genesis. <laughs> Who's got it? Who existed in the very beginning, is it, is it telling us right there? God. God did. It's not saying God existed in the very beginning. It's just diving in. God was there because it's just saying, right to me, in the beginning, God. It's already stating it. What was the earth like at this point? Green and blue and round and pretty as we know it from what is, outer space images or what? What was, what was earth like? What does it describe it as? Yeah, and dark. and dark, yeah. Notice God doesn't give an explanation for his existence, as I was saying. He's just simply and powerfully declaring he is. He is. I mean, I think that is even more powerful when he's not giving reasoning. 
just purely diving in. He's here. He's there. Was there anybody else there besides God? Do we have any hints there of anything else? What have we established too from our prior les- previous lessons? God alone, right? God alone was there in the beginning. Flip with me to Psalm 90, about in the middle of your Bible. Proverbs and then Psalm 90 verse 2. Proverbs, or sorry, Psalm, did I say Proverbs? I'm going to say Psalms 90 verse 2. Yeah, okay. Psalm 90 verse 2, Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from the beginning to end, you are God. Before anything, He existed. He brought the whole world to be. He brought it forth. Some say birth. And then, um, mine has here from beginning to end. The NIV has from everlasting to everlasting. What's another word for this? From everlasting to everlasting. Yeah, eternal. Same thing. And that's what we're going to start to unpack here a little further. God exists in the beginning, eternal. God alone is eternal. Um... This truth means that there wasn't any point in eternity past that he didn't exist, no point in in eternity future that he won't exist, and nothing in the middle. It's just, maybe I'm stating the obvious, but maybe if you have somebody that's asking, what does that mean? What does eternity mean? How can anything be eternity? Just think of other ways to describe it to them. There's just never a point before, present, or after that he didn't or won't exist. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. He is infinite. He is timeless. He is eternal. He's unchanging. And he created the whole world. In Psalm 102, 26 and 27, it says, They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them and they will be discarded, but you remain the same and your years will never end. What does this reveal about God, you guys? Just the backup one for unchanging was Psalm 102, 26, and 27, but just kind of taking this chunk from Psalm 90, verse 2, and then um, just that he is infinite, timeless, eternal, and unchanging. What does this reveal about him? Kind of got to interpret it or whatever a bit, but... Did he create everything? Is that what we're seeing here? So if he created anything, does he need to um, consult with anybody? So is there anyone greater than him? So what would you say of God? Sovereign. Yeah, sovereign. We're not getting that far down the line yet, but you're right. He's the one who created everything. He's above all. He's greater than all. There's nothing, there's no one greater than him. God has no rivals. I mean, sometimes we can say this stuff and we know it up here, but do we know it in the heart? Do we know it in practice of thinking? Sometimes we can, can imagine other things being more powerful or more, um, 
yeah, just more wise or something like that by how we go out every day in our life. Do you consult somebody more than you consult the word, for example? You might say the word, God's word, so God is, is the most powerful thing, and that's what you're going to go to, but in practice, do you practice that? So you might know the answer, but do you practice the answer is what I'm getting at. How do we know that no human was, was ever present in the beginning? What's just a simple, I'm not asking for a complicated answer here. What was not in the beginning? Yeah. So probably nothing there for human life, safe to say. Water, shelter. Yeah. Yeah, before there was anything. Before there was anything. Technically, there was water. Spirit hovered over the water. <laughs> there you go. Okay, maybe there was water. <laughs> Let's read further about what God's Word says about other spirits and the beginning. Go with me to Colossians. That's in the New Testament. So the latter part of the books of the Bible. Um, I have that in slide here. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, General Electric Power Company. That's how I learned that one. <laughs> Anyone else learn it that way? General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Works for me. Hopefully it'll work for you now. <clears throat> Foundations isn't the only thing I teach. Just kidding. <laughs> what is that called? Acrostics? No. Anyways, I digress. Colossians uh, 1, 16. Can somebody read that for me? For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see. You can keep going just a little further there. Oh, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Perfect. Through him and for him. What did God create? Yeah. Everything. Everything we can see. Everything we can't see. Thrones. Do we have thrones today? They do in some places. Kingdoms. Rulers. Governments. Members of parliament. Prime ministers. Presidents. Authorities. Police officers. RCMP. Not only in the scene, but they're saying in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. So what is this unseen? What is this unseen saying? Things we can see and the things we can't see. What can't we see? Don't, don't, do you have two eyes? I have two eyes. You guys have... Do we have any blindness here? Only if your eyes are closed, I guess. Oxygen. You can't see oxygen. That's right. Think bigger. What were the thousands upon thousands he made? Ten thousand upon ten thousands. Angels. Yeah, the spirit, spirit realm, angels. Universe. Yeah. Universes. Yeah, yeah, universes. So as we hone in on spirits and angels, our, our list right here, um, are they eternal? So they'll die? Why aren't they eternal? They're created. They're created. They created. 
Who created them? What does it say? Well, actually, does it say that? Well, it says he said invisible. God created the invisible things. So is it safe to say God created the angels, Kevin? Yeah? Yeah, I believe that is true, that God created them. And yeah, they're not eternal in the sense that God is eternal. We can't say from everlasting to everlasting, as God is. But they do, they have a beginning because they're created. But yeah, as far as I know, they're going to be going on into eternity. Notice, notice how God's word declares he created all things. Invisible, visible, angel spirits that are not the same as God in the same sense of the eternality. Um, just hold on to that and, and we'll explain more about this as we continue going along. Every, every hook or every um, point under the hook there, I want to kind of stop and ask you guys to kind of think about it. Um, think about what points are contrary to the truth that we're dealing with right now. So as we're dealing with, with uh, God being eternal, that's the focus of this one today, I want to ask you guys, what, what are things that people, either you've heard or you believe it or think it or wrestle with it, what are things people believe about God that are contrary to the truth of him being eternal? I want to jot these down. If we don't do this, whether it's ourselves or other people, is then we start getting a, um, what we call a syncretism, where you're blending two things that can't coexist. So if you don't identify it, if the Holy Spirit doesn't identify it in you or whatever, if you don't just stop and think about it, you can have two things that are opposing each other and you're believing them both, which is a contradictory. So we're going to be doing this every time we come to a point. And uh, we've done it a little bit when we crumbled up the paper last week and threw it. It's going to be a pattern we just follow. So yeah, have you had enough time to th- did I talk long enough? Have you had enough time to think about contrary beliefs um, that people have to God being eternal? God is dead. God is make-believe. I before E except after C except for when you're, what is it? Your, what? When your neighbor from some country moves down the road and, and he's weird. Yeah. Sorry. God is dead. God's make-believe. Hmm. Old man in the sky. Um, like, what's the word for that? Like, humanizing him, or? Yeah. So it must have been creative. Created, I mean. The God exists in stuff. Material. Yeah. So that that stuff has a beginning as well. Is your implying? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he lives and dies with physical yeah. things. Anything else that's jumping off people's brains? 
any changes. Yeah. You don't have to answer this out loud, but I want you to ask yourself this each time. Do you personally hold to any of these contradictions or maybe wrestle with it? And I want to challenge you guys throughout all of our lessons and throughout each of these points to make a note of it and pray about it throughout the week even, that God would examine you, see if there's any offensive way in you that pushes against the truths that we're learning. It's all part of, fancy word, being sanctified. God making us more like him. Okay. So we're going to... Hang on a second. I've already done that. God is eternal. God alone is eternal. We're going to move on to our next point. There's the Colossians verse. God alone is all-powerful and self-existent. If you're not uh, still at Genesis 1.1... Just have a peek there again. Man, my Bible has like a lot of note stuff at the beginning. I'd... Hard to find Genesis 1. There we go. So Genesis 1. This verse here, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, is telling us very plainly, God created the heavens and the earth. There's not too much to look in there, is there? How did God survive, you guys, before there was anything created? Yeah, he's God, but doesn't he need light? I mean, what doesn't need light? He is light. Okay, you know that because you've read your Bible. (laughs) Rest of us don't know that because we haven't like, maybe we haven't got that far yet. (laughs) There's no food. What about friends? I mean, think of like the isolation. Was God not isolated? He had no community? Okay. Well, you read your Bible too. Just checking. Just checking the spiritual temperature out there. He is all-powerful, of course. He is existing completely within himself, of course, because he's God. He needs nothing to sustain his existence. If he did, he'd be lacking. And God doesn't lack. And... A lot of people do think, even though, yeah, he is God and and we know about the Trinity and we're going to get there, um, that thought of loneliness does enter the picture of, can God be lonely? But, and that's a really good question, you know, when you just start there in the Word. It just says God. So was he not lonely? And if somebody reads their Word in that way from the beginning, it's just a, a logical question to have. But again, I just want to, emphasize that if God is lonely, it suggests he's lacking something. He's lonely because he needs something. Then that would make him not God. It would make him not all-powerful and self-existent. Have you ever reflected to God about God in this way? He's just totally self-contained with everything he needs. And yet he really needs nothing. He is all-powerful. And right away, we just get that embedded very strongly in in that first verse, that he's all-powerful. We can add to this with a verse, Genesis 17, chapter 17, verse 1. In that verse, God refers to himself as almighty. And in Hebrew, the Bible's original, this part of the Bible's original language, 
This name means strong and powerful God who nourishes, who supplies, and who satisfies. Pretty cool when you break it down like that, eh? Almighty is strong and powerful God who nourishes, who supplies, and who satisfies. Did I get that verse right, Katie? <laughs> see you fact, I see you fact-checking me. I hope, hope I got it right. Sometimes I do have typos. Yeah. Thank you. Satisfies. Yeah. Nourishes, supplies, and satisfies. Strong and powerful God. God is self-existent. And I mean, self-existent would be, as I was suggesting in the, in the point on the PowerPoint, is kind of in, also embedded, I believe, in, in all-powerful. I mean, if you're all-powerful, then you, you have the power to, to make yourself self-exist, right? Logically speaking. God can completely exist in and of himself. He exists by his own power. He needs nothing, so self-existent. Let's just illustrate a bit of, of God's power and self-existence. Can a baby survive if it's abandoned? Not at all. How about you? How are you like that baby? Can we survive if we're abandoned as adults? We're more independent than a baby. Acknowledge God or not acknowledge God, can you survive? We're dependent. And, and it's something that's wild to me is, as I was saying, acknowledge God or not, know that he exists and what he provides or don't, you still depend on all the things that he provides. I mean, the water. Who's made water lately? <laughs> Who's grown? I mean, we can plant seeds, but did you cause it to grow? Did you make it to rain? Did you build the dirt? I mean, you might say, well, I compost, but come on, get real. <laughs> Still, you don't have the building blocks for any of that. We can't survive on our own, not without other resources. Even those hermits, like your brother-in-law that goes off and tries to live on his own, he's bringing in canned goods and he's bringing, you know, <laughs> we're dependent. I, that's pretty obvious. How about with, without other people? Can we thrive? I'm not just saying survive. Can we thrive without other people? We start, start to go a little crazy, right? I mean, some of these um, prisons that I hear about, you know, this isolation treatment where people start to lose it because they've been cut off from people. Can't thrive in isolation. Yeah, it blows my mind. Even those who reject God rely on the very things he provides. I mean, you can get even bigger. The sun, the moon, the stars. God in his power holds them in their place. And even if you don't acknowledge that, God still extends a gift that's undeserved for those who don't accept him. So if, a God is, if our God is all-powerful and self-existent, can I think of this? Okay, back up. I went a little too far. Okay, if you have a kid and you want him to do something, what do you, what do you, what's some tactics that uh, none of you have employed before? You've employed, probably. Scare them? Okay. <clears throat> Bribe them, coax them. I did that tonight with some ice cream. You finish supper, there's a bit of ice cream right in front of you. <laughs> One of our guy, our, our little man, it worked. Our little girl, no, just, she just threw a fit and wanted to push the food, the supper out of the way and get the, get the ice cream, just shortcut. But, I mean, we can, in a sense, yeah, bribe, coax, but manipulate, right? I mean, call it what you want. You're, you're, you're using something, leveraging something to get what you want the other to do. 
Can we do this with God? I see heads shaking left and right, not up and down. Why can't we do this with God? Yeah, yes and yes. Can't manipulate him because he doesn't need anything. I mean, our kids, like, they might not need ice cream, <laughs> but they, they need food. And if it got down to it, you know, if I use food as a motivator, they need food. God doesn't need food. God doesn't need, yeah, as, as Andrew's saying, doesn't need anything. Nothing. If he's self-existent, there's nothing we can strong-arm God into doing for our, for our benefit. Um, I want to touch on this a little deeper just because, um, again, when you, when you state it so clearly like that, we all think, I don't do that. Perhaps. Maybe you're extra humble tonight and you think you do do it, so thank you for admitting that to yourself. Um, but it can be so subtle. I just want to share with you a story I'd heard with a, a pastor. Um, he was a pastor's whole life, heavy in ministry, you know, was full-time kingdom building, um, godly man, raised his, raised his kids in the Lord. Um, but then one of his kids gets leukemia, and it just crushes him. Because what came, became evident to him was he was actually thinking that, like, look at God, like, why would you do this to my, me and my child, to my family and this child of mine, when I've done all this for you? And that was never his articulated thought prior. But he's like, I've, I've sacrificed, I've gone to Bible school, I've gave up more years and we were on, you know, we were collecting food tickets because I couldn't afford theology school. And, and, and this is what you do in return. You give my kid cancer. And he realized the dangerous thoughts he was having with that. He was thinking he could manipulate God. I've done that. I've done that. And it's subtle in that way. What positions or what beliefs, I want to write a few more down here, do you guys hear that people use to, to belittle God's position as all-powerful? And what, do you, what beliefs belittle God's position as self-existent? We can separate those two. So we can do, um, where's my marker? What are beliefs that belittle God as being all-powerful? Or self-existent? Superhuman is, sounds super, but it's not all-powerful. What else?
Yeah. Yeah. What, what, how would we phrase that? It's not an ultimatum. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Just the ifs. If he was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's I've heard that a lot as well. This is not my thought I, I heard it from a First Nation pastor is the idea of the Great Spirit. And while the Bible does describe God as great as well, but Right, great spirit there that can be with the understanding that yeah can be overthrown so not all powerful how about anything pertaining to self-existent what are things that belittle God as being self-existent and can't this happen even in like the Christian realm of ministry missions he needs me to spread his word what if he didn't have me? How would he do it? Yeah. He needs us to do whatever. Oh, accomplish. No K's. Two C's. There's no autocorrect on the <laughs> marker board. <laughs> this in yeah. terms of worship, uh, some Sometimes, I don't know if anyone would say it directly, but you get a sense that they think that God really needs our praise. And if it wasn't for yeah. our praise, somehow he would be um, unknown. Or... Yeah. Well, let's, let's cut that one off then, and let's talk about this um, manipulate. Let's talk about this, this manipulation one a little bit. How do people try to manipulate God today? Hard work. Hard work? Yeah, totally. Sorry that this is hard for some to see. There's really no perfect spot for me to stand. Um, hard work? Yeah? Yeah, ultimatums. God does, I'll do. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I give so much, he'll do so much. Yeah. Push the right buttons, I'll get X. Yeah, totally. It is good. Um, 
And again, if you have personal ones that are coming to mind, and I'm not asking everyone just to air their laundry, write it down, pray about it this week, continue to go forward and, and see what God will reveal. Another question, not for the board here, but is God limited like the angels? Right? No. God is not limited like the angels. Is God limited with knowledge or what he can see like the angel would be? No. Is God a force that we can conjecture, we can drum up? We just are touching on no. Right? He needs nothing. Is he lacking anything? No. So, there's nothing we can do to conjure God up, to drum him up in, a, in this idea of strong-arming him. God is not limited as movies and cartoons portray him to be. Again, we have our answers that come out of our mouths, but we also have what's in our heart and what we practice. And when that changes, that's when you know what you're saying is lining up with your heart or not. All these things that we're doing as we, as we do these Q&A or these writing on the board is, uh, is an opportunity to expose those and um, just to see true transformation and not just behavior modification as we learn new truths. Does that make sense? We're all about transformation and not just behavior modification. Okay. Let's go on to our next point here. So we're just wrapping up there. God alone is all powerful and self-existent. Does anybody have any questions that are lingering before we move along? Next point. God is spirit. Everywhere present and all seeing. Everywhere present and all seeing. Here, let's, let's do a group exercise, okay? Does everyone have their glasses on? Oh, Judy. Let's read this together. Can everyone see it? All right, group exercise. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Verse 2. How is God referred to? Yeah, the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God. Is that a small S or a big S on spirit? It's capital S, that's right. Here we have the one true God is revealing that he's spirit. He's spirit hovering over the waters. Um, are we spirit? In, in the sense that God is spirit here? We're, we're limited has anybody tried to do something lately that they were unable to do? Yeah, I have. There was trying to lift this giant s snowman midsection onto the bottom part yesterday with my son. I got a little ambitious and I think I threw something out. But uh, I'm limited. I know it doesn't seem like my muscles would be limited to you guys, but they are. <laughs> They're limited. <laughs> God in his spirit is not limited. He doesn't have bone and flesh as we have bone and flesh with all of our limitations. What does it mean to you guys when you hear that? God is spirit. 
What do you hear? What do you understand? He's omnipresent. Yeah, what does that mean? That he is everywhere and in everything. Say that again? That he's everywhere? Yeah, yeah, everywhere, every present. Imagine being spirit rather than having flesh and bone assists in that. <laughs> so let's go to, what's that? <laughs> yeah. Let's go to Jeremiah again, 23, 23 and 24. Touches on what you were saying there, Micah. Jeremiah 23, 23 and 24. After Isaiah, we have Jeremiah. Somebody want to read that for me? Am I a God who is only close at hand, says the Lord? No, I am far away at the same time. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and earth, says the Lord? <laughs> he's at hand, he's far away. What else does it say there about him in this passage? There's nowhere we can hide. Nowhere we can hide. He fills the whole space. I mean, a physical being cannot be close at hand and filling the heavens and the earth. You look at that picture there I have of the, our kind of, is that our, called our solar system there? Yeah, part of it. Uh, with our sun and moon and earth. He fills that and beyond. There's no picture that would contain it. There's, uh, if any of you guys have read By This Name with John Cross, I just wanted to use it to, to draw out a point of just, just how big that space that, it, that he's talking about, that God's word is referring to here, that he fills. So you said, Amy said, we can't hide from him. Because he fills the universe. Well, how big is the universe? Just listen. So here we got a picture. Okay, gather around, class. We got a picture of, that represents the universes and everything, basically. And it just says here, at the speed of light. So what does it say the speed of light is again? Does anybody know? Off? Kieran, what's the speed of light again? I was like, really? I flew King Airs that fast. <laughs> okay, there we go. 300,000. Kilometers per second. Thank you. Oh, there it is. Found it. Thank you. Or if you're an American, 186 miles in a second. So at, the, at that speed, at the speed of light, you can circle the earth, it says, seven times in one second. See? Look at it. See, Brett? Seven times in a second. See, there's proof. It circles. <laughs> seven times in a second. Past the moon in two seconds. You can go past Mars in four minutes, and Pluto takes five hours. Well, okay. At that speed it would take 4.3 years just to reach the closest star, which means each second of those years, you travel 186,000 miles or 300,000 kilometers, a total distance equivalent to, you know, I'm just going to write this number down because I can't say it. <laughs> total number equivalent to, this is distance, 25 something, 200 and what? 84th something, 000, 000, 000, 
miles, or 40 and a lot of other numbers of kilometers. So then at that speed, um, you would, at the speed of light, you would reach the next closest galaxy in 2 million years. So you can circle, you can circle the Earth seven times in a second, but the closest galaxy, 2 million years. God fills that. God fills that and beyond. That just gives me like, ooh, every time. It's like goosebumps. How can we hide from a God who fills that? And even that wouldn't contain him. This is God as spirit, all seeing, all present, all at the same time. When you're talking to him in your bedroom, I'm, he's talking to me wherever I'm meeting with him. We'll continue to unpack in later lessons that angels are, are unlike God. Even though they're spirit, they're limited and blind in comparison. I think you guys wouldn't disagree with me that we, with our bodies, have tons of limitations, right? Especially in comparison to God. But God is spirit, ever-present, which makes him all-seeing all the time. Awesome, eh? Consider this truth. In the highest places of the heavens, in the deepest outer space, right here in this room, God is. God is. There's nowhere he's not. And as I explained to you, the sheer magnitude, size of the universe and the universes, he's there. Again, thinking about this, different views that might oppose this or even thoughts within our own belief of God, what opposes this? I mean, we might, again, say we believe it, but what are thoughts that we've said or thoughts that you've heard that is just simply not with them or not near them? Not everywhere. All-seeing. Yeah. Distant. Big guy. Upstairs. Yeah. Earthocentric, I think that's called. Can we make that up tonight? I'm going to do it. Yeah. Earth is a center. Like, that's everything. How could God be elsewhere? The earth is a center of it all. Yeah, we must feel his nearness. Yeah. Yeah. We get the idea that God would not, God doesn't interfere in our world. Yeah, kind of that classic, I set the world spinning and then I sat back in my lazy boy, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
<clears throat> right. Wound it up, let it go, for sure. Um, with people thinking that, okay, so here we talked of why he wouldn't be. As we're talking about that he is everywhere present and we can't hide from him. I just want to clarify some things. Um, some people believe because God fills the universe that he is in everything. That he's in the trees, that he's in the mountains, that he's in the rivers. That's called pantheism. And that is not what I'm saying God is. Also, that uh, everything is or is God or everything has a, a God spirit, that's animism. That, I'm not saying that that's the God that we're talking about of the Bible. Just a distinction there. Any questions on that? I mean, it's very popular, I know, especially in the Yukon, you know, my religion is outdoors. I meet with God on the mountain. And a Christian and a non-Christian can say that and have two totally different things that they're meaning to communicate. One might be thinking, you know, he created this. And the Christian might be thinking he created this and I'm worshiping him here. The other is thinking, this mountain has a spirit and I feel it. That is pantheism or animism. This is not who God is. He is present everywhere at all times, but he's not an impersonal force in everything. Okay. The one true God that we're talking about of the Bible, he's absolute. He's standing above and beyond and with all of creation. He's free to do what he wants because he lacks nothing. He is self-existent. He is all-powerful. When you look at these charts and you just see how mankind is lacking and angels are lacking, God is lacking in nothing. He's able to teach us about everything. He existed in the beginning, eternal and greater than all. He's all-powerful, self-existent, existing by his own power, needing nothing. He's spirit, as we read in verse 2 there, spirit of God hovering over the waters. So he's all-present. And if you're all-present, are you not all-seeing? Yes, all the time. Now this last one. Any questions? You guys are quiet. I don't like quiet. He's teaching so well. No. <laughs> Good. Good. So, next point here. God is one being. Let me see if I can get this going here. Um, anyways, God is one being, this third one here, in three persons. Trinity is a word. Triune God, people will call God. That You won't find Trinity or triune in the Bible. But it's a word that is used by Christians today just to easily hang the understanding of what that means. And uh, we'll unpack it here, but the Coles Notes version, of course, here is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we got Spirit. The beginning we heard God. Uh, in the beginning, God, we read. So, 
When we look at Genesis 1 and 2, how many gods are referred to there? I'll back up this so you can try and see. Where are we? Or just look in your Bibles. One. One. Just one true God. And in verse 2, we saw that he's referenced as spirit, with capitals, as we said, meaning name, it's a name of God. So the Hebrew name for God, does anybody know it? Elohim. Yeah, Elohim. Different than our English word. Elohim is plural, and it's talking about more than one person. But every time it's used in a sentence, it looks like one being. This means that the one true God is one but connected with others. And we get a hint of this in, in uh, Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. Um, in the beginning, God, and then in 2, the Spirit of God. This might make it seem like there's two different gods, but it isn't. They're the same God, and God will reveal more about this as we continue along. God the Son was the creator of all things, and we'll jump to two places in our Bible. Let's do, or you know, we could do it this way too. The first row, Colossians 1.16, back row, John 1, 1 to 4. What does C stand for in my acrostic? <laughs> Wrong, but you're right. <laughs> company, Kevin, company. General Electric Power Company. <laughs> so Colossians 1.16 and then John 1, 1-4 will be our following verse to talk about God the Son was the creator of all things. Can I have volunteers, please? Sorry, Colossians 1, 1 to 16. Who wants to do that one for me, front row? I can do it. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Thank you. Let's, while well, we have that in our minds, those that are in John, please go to John, or... Those who are in John already, just read it for me, please. John 1, 1 to 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and with him, oh, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Okay. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Thank you. These verses are speaking about God the Son as the creator of all things. He too being eternal, all-powerful, and all-knowing. And we see that, we have that represented at the end of our, our timeline chart here. <clears throat> God desires that we should know that he is one, yet three, in these ways that we're calling God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, or God the Spirit, as we saw in verse 2 of Genesis 1. Um, sometimes I've heard people talk of, you know, he's one person in three persons, but then... I've kind of pulled away from that, like especially if you guys are going to explain it to other people. It, I, I'm reading this really great book right now um, by Nabil Qureshi. Recommend it, Seeking Allah, uh, Finding Jesus, I believe it's called. And, and that's where I actually saw it coined a little cleaner or, or conceptually where you just, what, how I had it written there. He is, he is one being in three persons. I am Brent. 
I'm a human being. I'm one being and one person. I don't think anyone will argue that I'm one person. My wife might argue I've got split personalities, <laughs> but no. But I'm one person, one being. God is one being, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, uh, and did you know, as I talk about it, this is my illustration, this is a banana. Did you know that? <laughs> and um, it's a little bit ripe, so I'm hoping it'll still work. Bananas are good for many things, like eating. But what I want to use it for in the Trinity, did you know? Well, first of all, do you know, there's lots of types of bananas. And we just have the one kind of okay one in North America. But in Papua New Guinea, there's many. There's even ones that taste like marshmallows. But do you know that every banana, even the marshmallow-tasting ones, this is a little harder with a ripe one, every single banana actually splits into three. And Daniel Harms knew that because there's not much you don't know, actually. <laughs> Surprisingly. Yeah. Who else knew that besides Daniel? Because I learned that just recently. Kieran, I'm seeing a trend. You guys related? Yeah. But three, three pie pieces, three banana pieces. But like this one is not, is this not fully banana? Fully banana. Smelly banana. Tastes like banana. What? Yeah. This one, fully banana. Not greater, not less. Doesn't taste any less than the other banana. I just confirmed it. This third one, same thing. Banana, fully banana. There's, it's not less banana than those other two pieces I just had. It tastes the same too. It's all banana. None's greater. None's lesser. None's more accurate representation of the other. And this is the same about God. God the Father is not greater than God the Son, nor God the Holy Spirit. The three are one in power. The three are coexisting, coexistent. They were there in the beginning. They're equal in understanding, creativity, character, existence. One didn't create the other. There's not a hierarchy. We can often, a lot of people can kind of think, well, you know, there's top dog father, you know, and then there's like his sidekick, Jesus. And then like, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit, he's kind of like the lines of communication thing that just keeps things flowing well. But uh, no, they're, they're equal. Just as the, that banana thing was all banana, every one, totally banana, not incomplete without the other, it's they're totally God, the triune God. Does that make some sense? It's a hard thing to explain. Which member of the Godhead was there in the beginning? Right, all of them. This one yet three, we're all there. But this is another contrast point that I want to bring up with you guys. What are things you've heard or, or hold to or think yourself that are contrary to that? That God is not a triune God. What are some possible contrary beliefs? A God, but not the Yahweh God. 
Yahweh G, Yahweh God. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm glad you bring that up back to one. What do you call it? Oneness, God? Yeah, that's what I was gonna wanted to bring up. Yeah. Be for those of you who haven't heard this word, or I guess the oneness God or modal how you spell it, modalism. That's the term I've heard is modalism. Is like God manifests himself in these different ways. He's one God, he he pours himself into this one aspect of Jesus or one aspect, you know, at a separate time of the Holy Spirit or the, uh, yeah, him, the Father. And uh, that is false. That is not what the Word teaches. Modalism is not what Christianity teaches. Uh, anything else people want to add to that? Or that God is not a triune God? That modelism? Yeah. Okay. But Jesus was a great prophet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a great prophet, like stood above all. Are you saying, what are you saying? I don't want to put words in your mouth. He's the greatest prophet, so he's God? No, he, he was a great prophet. Okay. Right, yeah, Muslim, Muslim view. Um, and I think on the sort of flip side of the coin, in a sense, holding to the Trinity can have uh, the labeler be accused of being polytheistic, having many gods. And, uh, and that is also not what Christianity is saying. We're not saying that we have many gods, multiple gods. We're saying we have one God in three persons, one being in three persons. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I find every denomination kind of emphasizes one or the other. And uh, I mean, it's a tension that we're called to, that uh, it, it's equal. You know, and one is not above the other. And I won't dive into all those verses, but there are lots that, that show that one submitting to the other constantly in this, in this uh, equality. Um, so yeah, it's a hard concept to explain at best, but this one true God is a triune, is our triune God. And it's amazing. It's amazing. So tonight, a little lost in my uh, PowerPoints here, but that's all good. Tonight we've had the opportunity to, to unpack that God's word is revealing who he is. I'm not your authority, your pastor, your best friend isn't. This is our authority and we're just going to continue to see that unfold of see God's word in its authority tell us who he is. He is alone eternal. He is alone all-powerful and self-existent. God is spirit everywhere present, all-seeing. He is one being in three persons known as the Trinity. So as we get to these, or as we wrap up all these here, kind of just a regular exercise, you'll, you'll get used to this. What do we do with, what do we do with these as we, if, if any of you hold to these personally, 
or you know of it, that God is not eternal. Are we going to let that coexist with what we just learned tonight? In the beginning, God. No. No. That's right. So we destroy these beliefs. It's probably very loud for the mic. Sorry. Yeah, we destroy those beliefs. Oh, that sidewall. God is all-powerful. I mean, if you spoke everything out of nothing, what's the Latin for that? Ex nihilo? Is that what it is? Creato ex nihilo. Out of nothing. We can bake cookies with flour and sugar and chippets and stuff like that, but we can't bring something out of nothing. Only the triune God can do that. That's because he is all-powerful. And he needs nothing. He doesn't need to go down to the grocery store to get that milk or whatever to make his cookies. He just makes it, makes the earth out of nothing. Are we going to hold any of these in tension with these truths? Or are we going to destroy them? Chuck them out. And as we read that God is spirit hovering over the waters of the deep. We learn that spirit has no limitations. God's spirit has no limitations, being everywhere present in the whole universe. That's the truth of the word. Are we going to hold to this, that the earth is the middle of God's existence, that he's upstairs and he's distant, I can kind of hide myself and do as I wish, and, um, or I need to feel his nearness for it to actually be true that he's here? Or he set this clock in motion, this earth in motion, like a top, spun it and then set off. Are we going to hold to those? Are we going to understand and accept the truth, humble ourselves to God's word that as spirit, he's not limited like we are who have a body and we're blind or like the angels even too, blind in comparison to God. Going to keep it or destroy it? Right. Trying to, these things kind of curve. There we go. There, a little better. I was never an athlete. Um, how about the Trinity, triune God? Hard one to grasp, but yet the word is showing us this is true. Is he one? Is he three persons? So are we going to hold to this, that he's just one God, or he appears in different forms? No, he doesn't just appear in different forms. He's fully each of those. As that banana was fully each one of those wedges, God is fully Jesus, fully Holy Spirit, fully God the Father, and not just a great prophet. We're going to destroy it. Pardon? Oh, it was a good, the form was good. Uh, the wind was kind of strong. But, um, yeah. Airball, for those that are listening. Um, this seems like a Mickey Mouse exercise, I realize, especially among educated people. Um, but uh, don't underestimate the power of this exercise as we model it like this. Practice it on your own. If there's a new truth that's come in or causing a rub on you like sandpaper on a sliver, let it deal with that sliver. The sliver's got to go. The lie has to be pushed out with the truth. They can't exist one with the other. Otherwise, it's syncretism. And in syncretism, you're not going to have an understanding of who the real God is. You're going to have this morphed belief system without 
this full life as we have in John 10, 10 here, where it says that the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. This is referring to the triune God who's come to have life, give us life to the full. So again, I challenge you personally, think about things that push against these truths we're learning throughout your week and, and into the future. Don't stop. They're contrary, if they're contrary to God's character, remember, God isn't a chess pawn in our hands. We don't get to manipulate him, use him as we wish, dishonor him as we choose. He exists by his own power. He's beyond manipulation. He's not lacking in anything. Needs nothing from anybody. And we are so not like that. We are limited in time and space and, and by gravity. We're limited with our need of food and water and shelter, all these resources. We're limited in our physical strength, limited in our intelligence, some more than others, limited by our finances, by disease, by death, by the ability to heal ourselves. God is not limited. Eternal, all-powerful, self-existent, one being in three. Hold on to these foundational truths. This is our God. And we're going to learn more as we go forward. You guys excited? Cool. You'll see um, at the end of your...